Hello again, and welcome to the NPFCC Messages podcast. You're about to listen to Pastor Ken's message from Roundup Sunday 2023, which is always a special day for us as a church. In this message, Pastor Ken guides us through a few different biblical examples of people who needed to take a next step in their faith, but may or may not have taken it. The truth is, we all have a next step in our faith, no matter how long or short we've been following Jesus. So we pray this message equips and encourages you to take that next step wherever the Spirit may be leading you. Enjoy. Well, that was some powerful stuff this morning, huh? Everybody good? Welcome to Roundup. Yeah, you can uh, give, the, give the Lord a round of applause, man. Man, what a great, what a great start to our Roundup day. Um, you know, I, I bet we, we've all been like shocked at the weather today a little bit because usually on Roundup Sunday, we're always worried that it's going to be too hot for people hiking and biking and whatever down to the beach. And then we wake up this morning and it's wet. And I was like, man, what's, what's going on? It's just a weird year, right? Uh, but uh, according to the weather report, it's going to be beautiful by the time we walk to the beach uh, uh, or hike to the beach or walk to the beach or you drive to the beach. It's going to be great. I, I just want to encourage you, whatever you need to do, like if you have things scheduled, change it, get to the beach today. It's going to be amazing. It always is. And it's an opportunity for us to just celebrate uh, together. And you're going to hear this over and over again all day. Um, if, if the Lord has been moving you and baptism is your next step, um, we love doing it at the beach, um, and it's super amazing, and we get to celebrate that together, and if you'd like to do that, um, it's on the back side of this paper. Just, uh, just let us know, and we would love to talk to you and facilitate that. Um, we already have some people who are doing that, so it's going to be great, uh, and you can join in on the amazing fun uh, of all of that. So, hey, I'm glad that you're here today, whether you're here in the room or uh, those of you who might be with us online, uh, I want to encourage you to, to have a Bible. I hope you have a Bible with you. I, I know that we, we've kind of got out of that habit of having a Bible with us, and I know some people are like, well, I got it on my phone. And um, I, that's good. I'm still partial to the old school paper one, right? Um, because it's just too easy to swipe left and uh, go to somewhere else during the during the, the time we have together. Um, but if you have a Bible with, uh, with you, and I hope you do, or if you need one, there's always some at the different stations around the room. Just grab one if you need to keep it, keep it. Um, and turn in your Bibles to Mark um, chapter 10. We're going to spend some time there this morning and, and uh, talk about um, what is the next step maybe that you need to take. Because here's what I know for sure. Everybody has a next step. Everybody's got a next step. Now, um, hey, I don't know if, uh, how many of you remember um, what this is? Um, anybody remember what that is? Yeah? Um, I don't know, you, do you remember the day when you used to walk into Costco and then right when you got in the doors, like just off to the side, it was like one of the biggest displays was just like rows and rows and boxes and boxes full of film, Right? Um, and you would go in there and then they had the photo department and you could like, you know, take your film in, get it to develop. And that, that was the thing that Costco did that was amazing because you could get your pictures developed so fast. Um, so I know we have all of our young people, um, over here. Um, how many of you have seen that before? Yeah, right. A couple of photo class, right? Um, uh, how many of you have touched one of those? Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So, um, whew. Man, we're not too old yet. Um, but um, how many of you ever, like, were taking a picture, you thought you had the perfect shot, 
and then you um, went to, to um, like forward the film and realized that the little advancer things didn't catch and you didn't actually get the picture. Anybody do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, you feel my pain, right? I don't know how many times I was like, ah, like, can we pose that again, right? Um, now we just keep our thumbs down and take bazillions of pictures all day long, right? With our phones and they're stored in a cloud <laughs> somewhere. Um, but yeah, this, this was, this was like just part of our lives, um, for so long. And, um, so how long has it been since, since you've seen one of these, right? It's been a while, yeah? In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, it's for at least for, in Costco, it's been 11 years, right? Because 12 years ago, Cos, um, uh, the Eastman Kodak Company declared bankruptcy. And you have to understand that um, Eastman Kodak was founded in 1892, and it absolutely dominated the photo industry for over the century. This is their first camera. And, and their, um, see the little dial on top? You would do that, and that's what would advance the film. And their whole motto was, you push the button, we'll do the rest. Right? And, and this was like, the, and, and so just think of where cameras have gone. You know, now, now we walk around, everyone has them, they're on our phones. But uh, the, the Kodak company, they, they cornered the market on this for over a century, in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, they held 90% of the market share. And they were making well over $2 billion a year in profit, even up to the late 1990s. These guys, like, ha- I mean, in terms of photo, these guys were it. And they dominated for so long. And while they dominated the, the market until about 2010, the beginning of the end for Kodak started in 1975. And if you've taken business classes, some of you know the story because this is like one of those stories is like, this is absolutely how to kill a company, right? Because what happened in 1975 was that actually one of Kodak's engineers, a guy named Steven Sasson, he invented the very first digital camera right? All the way back in 1975. But he went and he pitched his new idea to the executives at Kodak who had sank all their money into rolls of film, right? They would sell you cheap cameras and expensive film. That's how they made billions of dollars, right? And so he comes in and he says, hey, I've got this new idea. There's this new technology. And he creates the first digital camera. He pitches the idea. And the executives at Kodak, Kodak, this was their reply at the end of his presentation. That's really cute, but don't tell anybody. That's really cute, but don't tell anybody. And, and they sat on that technology for like a decade. They just sat on it. And meanwhile, while they failed to take the next step in the photo industry's latest technology, Fuji, Canon, Samsung, and Apple started to develop all these new technologies. And by the time Kodak realized what was happening, they could not catch up. And so their failure, their failure to take the next step 
that was sitting right in front of them ended their company in bankruptcy. And honestly, folks, I think think that oftentimes the same thing happens to the spiritual lives of many Christians. They fail to take the next step in their faith journey, and they end up spiritually complacent, or even worse, spiritually bankrupt, because they fail to take the step that they need to take to continue in their journey of faith. And now, I, this morning, I don't, I don't know exactly what your next step might need to be, right? I, but I do know one thing. You need to take it. I, I, if I sat down with you and talked for a little bit, I, I could probably, we could probably talk about and kind of tease out like what that next step might be. I don't know what it is, but I do know you need to take it. Maybe your next step Maybe just being here this morning is your next step. You know, for those of you who are here maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, maybe just getting here this morning was, was a good first step. Maybe the next part is that you hear the gospel message of Jesus and believe. And the gospel message is really quite simple, right? It's that we fell away from God because of our sinfulness that God knew that we couldn't do this on our own. And so he sent a savior, Jesus Christ, who didn't just come, you know, and say a lot of nice things. He came and gave his life, died on a cross to pay our debt and said, hey, if you will believe in me, you can have everlasting life. And that is our promise. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And maybe this morning, what you need to do is not just hear those words or know that you need to say yes to that. Maybe that is your next step this morning. Maybe it's acknowledging Jesus is more than just Savior, like I like the idea of going to heaven when I die, but maybe it's to make him Lord and say, hey, Jesus, you get to call the shots today. You, you get to tell me what happens in my schedule and with my money and how in my relationships and all those things, and you're going to be Lord of those things, and I'm not going to just be the one calling the shots anymore. I'm trusting you that your way is better than my way, and I'm going to make you Lord. So maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is to get baptized. Maybe you've said, yeah, I, I, I know who Jesus is. I believe in the gospel. I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and I want him to be Lord. And maybe the next step in that lordship is because Jesus tells us to be baptized. Maybe the next step is like, yeah, I just need to do it. Maybe I just need to do it today. I need to quit thinking about it. I, I, I quit, you know, I need to quit having it bug me in my head and just do what God is calling me to do. Maybe your next step is to join a church and commit to attending regularly, not just when it fits your schedule. Maybe your next step is to come back to church in person, for those of you online. I realize that for some of you, being online is, is what needs to happen, but we would love to have you here because community is so important. Maybe your next step is learning to give, to give consistently and generously, recognizing that all we have is a gift from God and not giving because you, you think that, you know, we have a budget that we need to meet. No, it's, it's giving because God tells us to so that we recognize he is the great provider, not us. Maybe your next step is joining 
a life group. Maybe it's finding a place to serve consistently. If you're kind of new to the church and you're like, yeah, where do I serve? Man, a great place to start out is our guest services team. We always need more people there, and you will get to know tons of people by being involved in that. And so you, you could just go out to the um, First Encounter uh, gazebo after church and say, hey, Pastor Ken told me I need to be on the uh, uh, you know team, and um, Juan, uh, Pastor Juan might be out there, and he'll just check your pulse and make sure you know how to smile, and then you're in, Right? And if you don't, if you don't have a pulse, we know what to do. We've got lots of, uh, lots of people that, that, that can call 911. And if you don't have a smile, well, we hope we can put one on your face, right? But find somewhere to serve. Maybe it's in children's ministry. Man, we always need help. We got tons of kids because we believe in the next generation. We want to pour into them because it's not going to get easier for them to do this Christian life as, as things progress in our culture. So we need lots of people pouring into kids. We need tons of people to be involved in our student ministries. Okay, I know they're all sitting over here. Everybody wave to them. Good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. Um, and, and we need people. David, I know. David, do you need people? Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we need people who will, again, pour their lives into our young people. So maybe there's a place for you to serve. Maybe it's going on a mission trip, and maybe that scares you to death, and maybe that should, and maybe that's why you should go. Right? Maybe it's, it's removing something from your schedule to make time for Jesus. Yes, you might have to say no to something, but maybe that's your big next step. Maybe it's creating a regular time for your family to be together during the week where you're not only like looking at what's the next quick thing we have to get to in our schedules. Maybe it's to actually spend time relating and growing as a family and having places to talk about and pass on faith and to really, really like anchor our families. Maybe it's reading the Bible consistently and regularly. Maybe it's sharing your faith with a neighbor or friend. Again, for, for many, uh, I don't know what your next step is, but what I do know is you have one and you need to take it. Trusting means stepping. Trusting means stepping into the direction that Jesus is calling you into. Believing, we can look and we can say, yes, we believe, just like a chair, like Devin was saying. If you have a chair and you go, yes, I know that that chair will hold me, you, that's believing. When you actually put your behind in it and put all your weight on it, that is trusting it. And there's a lot of us that believe but when it comes to trusting Jesus, we hold back. I was thinking about this this week a little bit, and here's what struck me. This is, this is just the kind of the way that it hit me in the head, and I wasn't sure if, if it sounded right or if it was, some of you can tell me if you think it's heresy or not, but here's the way I kind of thought about it was this. For many of you, it's kind of like you've been dating Jesus for a long time. Or you've been dating the church for a long time. You really, really like hanging out with Jesus. You like what Jesus represents. 
you like the teaching and you like that he, he you know, wants what's good for you. You really like Jesus. You like the church. You like the stuff that happens. You like the people. You like all that stuff. And you've been dating Jesus for a really long time. But you're afraid. You're afraid to go all in. You're afraid of the commitment. You're afraid to take the next step. Why? Well, because you're a little worried about what Jesus might do to your life. See, I don't know what the next step is. I know you have one, and I know you need to take it. So how do I know that? I know that quite simply because the Bible tells me so. Uh, Because our Heavenly Father is never finished working on us. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You guys know when the day of Christ Jesus is he's talking about? Like when we all go to heaven, right? In other words, unless you're in heaven, right, there's still a next step to be taken. There's still something Jesus is working on in you until you get there. Once you get to heaven, then you can relax, right? Once you get to heaven, right, then, then the, the work is over and eternity begins. I mean, eternity begins now, really, but the reality is, is hey, God is going to keep working on you. He wants you to keep taking steps in his direction until you get there. And it tells us that Jesus promises that he will carry on the good work. He's doing, he's working on you. Some of you know that because some of you already know the next step you're supposed to take, and you have been fighting that like crazy. If this is your first time attending church, or if you can't remember a time that you weren't in church, if you've never read the Bible, or if you've read it cover to cover multiple times, God is still calling you to take another step in his direction. I think the greatest sin of most believers is this, complacency. It's just complacency. It's failure to take the next step. See, quite simply, here's how I understand my job as a pastor. My job is this. My job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So if you've been comfortable in your faith, right, my job is to kind of like rattle your cage a little bit. And then pray really hard that the Holy Spirit rattles it a lot more. Many of you know what your next step is because God has been prodding you. He's been poking you for a while. So the question I have is this, what's holding you back? Because whatever it is that's holding you back is the thing that's controlling you. And it's the thing that's in between you and where God wants you. And I read off that big list of stuff, you know, maybe, maybe it's accepting Jesus, maybe it's being baptized, maybe it's attending church regularly, maybe it's, you know, becoming a, m- a member of the church, and maybe it's giving, and maybe it's joining a life group, and maybe it's going on a mission trip, and maybe it's changing your schedule so you have more time for the things of the Lord instead of all the things that you continue to crowd your schedule with. And maybe it's a regular family time, and maybe it's reading the Bible, maybe it's sharing your faith, maybe it's something It's something, but what is it, and what is stopping you? And is it just complacency? Are you just like, I'm good, this is like, I'm good? Because if that's your answer, you're not. 
because God wants you to take a next step. Many of you know what your next step is, like I said, but you have been holding back. So why? So some of you are scared to take the next step because you don't trust that if you do, that the long-term benefits will be greater than your current situation. You're not trusting that Jesus has better in the long run for you. You think you've gotten to a place where, man, life is good, right? Like I've got this kind of balanced, managed whatever. And Jesus is going like, yeah, but so far that all depends on you. And I want to take you to a completely different level, but you've got to let go of some stuff. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Choosing Jesus' way is always, always a better way. Some of you are holding on to what you have, what you know, what you're comfortable with, and you can't let go. You have a death grip on the familiar. But what happens when death grips you? How is what you're, gonna, what you're holding on to going to help you then? And here's what I know. If you don't take the step, the next step, you'll be stuck. Stuck in a rut. Some of you know. Some of you know right now that you're stuck in a rut, especially in terms of spirituality, especially in terms of your relationship with God. You know you're stuck in a rut. Like if you've been doing the same thing over and over again, if you're doing the same thing this year in your relationship with Jesus than you were two years ago, four years ago, 10 years ago, then you're stuck. You might be thinking like, well, yeah, but I'm with Jesus. Yeah, that's good, but he is calling you out for more. He has more for you. And like Pastor Rick Warren said, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the length. He goes on and says this, if you don't move forward in your faith, Your heart, we talked about that last week, your heart will grow cold and you'll grow distant from God. And God is not going to help you with steps two, three, and four that you want to take until you trust him to take step number one that he's telling you to take. Maybe you've been asking God to help you with something, but he's asking you, why haven't you done what I've already asked you to do? In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus turns to the people and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And that, I mean, all of us can think of times in our life where it's like, yeah, we call him Lord, but are are we really doing what he says? Maybe you felt led to do something and maybe you've been planning to do it. Well, stop planning and just take the step. What in the world are you waiting for? There's a couple stories in the Gospel of Mark that I, 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 we're going to look at really quickly because I think they help us look at, like, there's two different people who get invited to take a next step with Jesus, and they have two totally different responses. I want to take a look at these real quick. So Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17, some people will say no, right? And maybe that's you this morning. Some people will say no when Jesus invites them to take a next step. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22, maybe it's a familiar story if you've been around church. It says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. Okay, that that tells you something right there. He runs to Jesus and he falls at his knees before him. And you're thinking, that's a good start. Really good start. And he says, good teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? 
And then Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good but except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not be- give false testimony. You should not defraud your you should not defraud, honor your father and mother. Then listen to his response. He says, teacher. He says, he declared, all of these things I've kept since I was away. In fact, I've been doing that for years. I've been, I've been, I got that down, Jesus. I got that down. Maybe that's where you're at. Okay, I got this stuff down. And, and then Jesus looked at him. And I, this, this is so powerful. Jesus looked at him and it, he loved him. He looks at this guy and he just loves, Jesus' heart is for this guy. And then he looks at the guy and, and, and he's going to share with him his next step. But Jesus knows that this is not going to be easy. And it, that's why I think it says Jesus loved him. And so he loves him so much that he's going to tell him the hard thing he needs to do to align his life with, with the Lord, right? And he says, one thing you lack, right? You've done all these other things really good, but one thing you lack. He said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So what's his next step? Go, sell it all, give to the poor. Jesus did not mince words, right? And and there's a lot of you that know, like Jesus has been telling you what to do. He has not minced words. Through the power of his spirit, he has been nudging you like crazy. And you're sitting there going like, gee, I'm trying to figure out what God's telling me, right? If he's already said it in in his word, by the way, you don't have to wait for a revelation from the Spirit. If it's in the Word, you just need to go with it, right? But most of us are like, ah, oh, yeah. So he knew his next step, right? And then, he, and then Jesus gives him the promise. What is he, I mean, think about this promise. He says, and he speaks this guy's language, you will have treasure. He's speaking this guy's language, right? Treasure, that's a good thing. And he says, you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. So what's the promise? You'll have treasure in heaven, and you'll get to follow Jesus. But what's his response? You guys probably know this if you grew up in Sunday school. It says, at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Man, this is written to everyone who lives in the Canal Valley. Right? Even if you don't feel like you have great wealth, you do. But this guy's, his face falls. He came running, excited, like, oh, yeah, Jesus, tell me what I should do. Then Jesus tells him, and the guy's face falls, and he goes away sad. He's still got great wealth. And some of you know those people, and some of you are those people. That you acquired all the great stuff, whether it be wealth or possession, all these things, but you still got a sadness inside. And Jesus says, look, I know that there's still sadness inside, even though you got all this worldly stuff, but there's a way, there's a way to not, to get rid of that sadness. There's a way to fill the empty hole in your heart that the wealth and the treasures and the stuff can't provide. There's a way, and Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the way, but you've got to take the next step. 
Folks, some people will not take the next step because it costs too much. And maybe that's you this morning. And I'm not just talking in monetary ways. I'm talking in relational ways, in scheduled ways, in all kinds of things. Maybe you think the cost is just too much. So how about you? Will you stay where you are sitting with the familiar and the comfortable in that place you've always been, thinking that you're keeping all the commands just right? Or will you listen to the Savior and say, yes, I'll step out wherever you lead? So now let's skip down to verse 46. Here's another guy that gets an invitation. Because some people will say no and they'll go away sad. Some people will jump. And I love this one. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says this. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. By the way, if you're ever reading the Bible and it says bar, right? That is not a place to get a drink. Um, Bar means son of, right? In fact, I saw somebody's bag this morning because of the orthodontist over here in town. It says bar Zion, right? It means son of Zion, right? Bar just means son. So if you come into that in the Bible, that's what that means. So he says, so Bartimaeus, he says, was sitting by the roadside begging. This is what this guy had done for years, right? Every day goes out, begs on the side of the road, hoping he can get enough to survive. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now check this out. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and calls him and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, this is great, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Now listen carefully to the next little bit. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped. I love that. He jumped. Blind people don't often jump, right? Because when you jump, you don't know how, exactly where you're going to land. But this guy jumps. Why? Because it's Jesus. He throws his coat, cloak aside, and he jumps to his feet, and he comes to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asks. Again, some people ask, you know, Jesus asks some questions that we go like, why are you even asking that, Jesus? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The road that he'd just been sitting on, now he's following Jesus down. The place where he used to just be sitting and staying like still all the time and hoping that he would get enough. Like now he's walking down that road. He's leaving that spot and he's heading somewhere else. Why? Because Jesus has called him. So it's interesting. Many people rebuked him. Can I ask you something? Who or what is trying to keep you from taking the next step towards Jesus? Who or what is trying to keep you What's trying to rebuke you and say, oh, yeah, 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 you don't need to do that. Like, for heaven's sakes, don't make things too crazy. Like, just just you know, calm down with the Jesus thing. Like, like, don't get too crazy. I mean, that's what they said, right? They're like, dude, can you just shut up over there? Enough with that. 
What or who is it in your life that is causing you not to move in Jesus' direction? And then did you notice it says he, was, he threw his cloak aside? For blind people in that day, the, the whole idea was you staked out a spot and you had everything that you had and you had to keep it close to you. Why? Because if you go away from it, you, don't, you can't find it anymore. And this guy, and your cloak in that day, very few people, like, we, we have closets full of stuff. Back then, especially a blind person, he's got maybe one set of clothes and a cloak, a covering, right? To protect him from the weather and everything else. And this guy, he throws his cloak. He doesn't just kind of like set it down or just kind of stand up from it. He throws it. And there's something significant about that. Because I think it's an act of total trust in Jesus because here's what he knows. He's heading to Jesus, and when he's, after he's been with Jesus, he knows he's going to be able to come back and find it again because now he's going to be able to see. And it's an act of absolute trust. Like, I can let this down because when I get to Jesus, Jesus is going to make everything better. He's going to make it well. He's going to bring healing. And then, if I need that, I can go back and get it. What is it this morning that you need to leave behind to follow Jesus? It's interesting. I started looking through all these Bible stories and characters. Mary and Joseph, right? We're going to, can you believe it's going to be Christmas soon? Mary and Joseph, they left their wedding plans. They tossed those aside to follow Jesus. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they left their nets, they left their boats, they left their families behind. Why? So they could follow Jesus. Matthew, he left his lucrative accounting gig. Said, yep, I'm going to go follow Jesus. The woman at the well, she left her jar, right? She, she, what she came for, what she thought she needed, like she left her jar aside and she went out and told everybody about Jesus. The reality is, is that we all have things that we need to set aside and get rid of. And some of it's our pride and some of it is our fear and some of it is what everyone else is saying. We need to throw that stuff aside and say, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And we need to have the courage to take the next step. But let me tell you that every single one of those folks would tell you the same thing. It was worth it to leave what they needed to behind to follow Jesus. So let me ask you something this morning, okay? Every single one of us, let me ask you something. Which one of those individuals best represents you? Is it the rich guy who's, I've been doing pretty good. I've got all this stuff. I kind of like, you know, I want to come to Jesus, but, and then Jesus asks you to do something, but it's just like, ah, that's a little too hard. Jesus has been nudging you like, yeah, you need to make time to be in a life group or, hey, you need to get baptized. And everybody's got an excuse for why they don't take that next step. What is yours? Because that is the thing that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with today and tell you that excuse, that thing is, that thing is nothing compared to the riches Jesus has in store for you. Or maybe you're like the blind guy right? You've been sitting along the road and Jesus comes to you and maybe you just need to jump and say yes to Jesus. 
Because there's only one way to follow Jesus. And that's to take the next step. You don't have to have it all together. Because that's some people's excuse. Well, I don't have it all together. I don't have this. And I don't know enough about this. You don't need to have it all together. You just need to take the next step. And let God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, take care of the rest. You just need to say yes to Jesus. And maybe today, like we said, maybe today it's saying yes to Jesus and saying, yeah, I'm going to make a commitment. I want to be baptized. If that's you, just, you know, go to this little thing or come and talk to me after the service. We will make it happen because that is a huge first step for you. And in a few minutes, we're, we're going to take communion. If you, if you have that, you're, you're going to want to, oops, going to want to get that out, get that ready. Because this represents the reality that Jesus, Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you could make the next step towards a relationship with God. Uh, This communion represents the fact that when you couldn't, he could. And the price that needed to be paid, he took care of so that you could take the next step in following Jesus. And so I want to I wanna just encourage you this morning is maybe you've got your communion and maybe this is just what you normally do, right? You just, you peel back the little thing, you eat the little whatever that bread is and then the cup um, and you just do it. But maybe this morning before you do that, because th- this was God saying yes to you, that he wanted you. And maybe before you take this this morning, you need to sit for a minute and ask, what's the next step he's asking me to take? And then write that down. And then before you leave today, tell someone so you can have some sense of accountability in that direction. Because we come in and out these doors all the time, and sometimes we hear stuff, and sometimes we think stuff, do we really engage and do it? So before you even take your communion this morning, ask God through the power of His Holy Spirit. I've been asking Him to do this for you all week. I've been saying, God, would you just rattle some people's cages this week? Right? Sorry. You know? Afflict some of the comfortable people this week, Jesus. Like, shake them up a bit. Tell them what they need to do. I don't know what I don't know exactly your next step. If we, like I said, if you really want to know and you want someone to talk, hey, come, we'll, we'll have a long conversation, right? Just know I'll hold you accountable to it. But before you take this that represents his yes to you, ask him what you should do and say yes to him. Because he did this so you could say yes. And so would you just pray this quick prayer with me and then as we sing, um, just take your time. Don't just do what you normally do. Take your time. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And so would you just pray this simple prayer um, with me this morning? Okay, you can just repeat this after me, all right? Jesus, with your help, I want to know my next step. 
and through the power of your Holy Spirit, give me the courage to take it. Move us, Heavenly Father. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus who stepped to the cross for us so that we could live for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.